Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. To look at him, you'd think Sean Sellers was a good kid. He had a nice smile and dreamy eyes and that hairstyle that was so popular among young men in the 80s that parted down the middle fluffy look. On the outside, Sean appeared to be a normal 16-year-old, but something dark had taken over his mind. And on March 5, 1986, Sean, dressed only in his underwear in order to minimize the risk of getting blood on his clothes walked into his mother's bedroom and shot his stepfather to death as he slept. Then he killed his mother, too. Sean tried to make it look like a home invasion, but the cops weren't buying it. And when detectives interviewed his best friend, the boy told him that Sean had come to his house and confessed to the killings after it was done. Not only that, but this friend was with Sean when he'd killed a drugstore clerk the year before, simply because he'd wanted to see what it felt like to kill somebody. The teenager told police that he was a practicing Satanist, that he'd been under the control of a demon named Ezurate. Oh, and he'd played Dungeons and Dragons. That's all they needed to hear. This was the 1980s, after all, in Oklahoma City, and satanic panic had gripped the Midwest, and mothers were burning Dungeons and Dragons manuals in barrels out back to save their children. Because of the nature of his crimes, Sean was tried as an adult, a jury found him guilty, and here's the rub. In Oklahoma, that jury only had two options for sentencing once Sean was convicted. They could either give him a life sentence with the possibility of parole in seven years, or they could execute him. Seven years sounded too lenient for the jury, so they sentenced him to death by lethal injection. On appeal, Lawyers finally raised the possibility that Sean might be suffering from a mental illness, most likely dissociative identity disorder. The appellate court agreed, saying there was uncontrovertible evidence that Sellers was insane. But according to procedure, it was now too late to raise that as a defense, so, you know, sorry. On February 3rd, 1999, 
Sean got his last meal inside the Oklahoma State Penitentiary. He asked for egg rolls with sweet and sour shrimp. And he was put to death by lethal injection just after midnight. Sean's execution for crimes he committed as a juvenile placed the United States in a very small group of nations that have executed kids in modern times. It's us, Iran, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, and Yemen. Thankfully, in 2005, the Supreme Court ruled that capital punishment for juveniles was unconstitutional. But that only means we don't kill them. Every day, kids are convicted for adult crimes and sent away to prison to languish for decades, unlike the majority of developed nations that focus on reform. So the question becomes, why do we, as Americans, why do we still permit prosecution of children as adults? This is The Philosophy of Crime, and I'm your host, James This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Brenner. According to the National Conference of State Legislators, 47 states send kids to juvenile court if they're 17 or younger. Vermont sends 18-year-olds to juvie court, too. But in Georgia, Texas, and Wisconsin, anyone who's older than 16 is tried as an adult. In the United States, there are many differences between juvenile court and adult court. When a child is charged with a crime, that information is usually kept secret. Reporters can be barred from covering the case or printing the suspect's name. And when the child ends up in custody, the goal is reform and rehabilitation, not punishment. The state has not yet given up on this individual and believes they can change for the better. Often, a person's juvenile record is sealed when they turn 18, and their convictions cannot be used against them when applying for jobs. However, every state in the Union makes exceptions when the crimes are especially heinous. Murder and rape, for instance. Children who commit those crimes can, and often are, sent into the adult judicial system. Thirteen states have no minimum age at all to send a kid to adult court. Case in point, one Lionel Tate, who was 12 years old in 2001, when he killed Tiffany Eunuch, who was six. Lionel's mom was babysitting Tiffany, and the two kids were playing downstairs. She called down for them to be quiet. 45 minutes later, Tate came up to say that Tiffany had stopped breathing when they were wrestling, and she hit her head on the table when he had her in a headlock. But prosecutors said the bruises on Tiffany's body suggested a more calculated and brutal beating at the hands of the 12-year-old. A jury in Broward County, Florida, sentenced Lionel to life in prison. The conviction was overturned in 2004, and he was given 10 years probation. Consider, too, the story of Christopher Pittman. At age 12, Chris had already run away from home twice and threatened suicide. He was given Paxil for depression and sent to live with his grandparents in Chester, South Carolina. One day, his doctor switched the boy's prescription to Zoloft and doubled his dosage. Now, Zoloft has specific side effects in children that include paranoid reactions and aggressive behavior and delusions. Two days later, on November 28, 2001, Chris's grandfather gave him a spanking. Later that night, Chris murdered his grandparents with a shotgun. Chris was tried as an adult and sentenced to 30 years in prison. He's still in prison today. And yet, children who commit similar crimes in other states are sent to mental institutions when they're released when they reach 18. Or they serve their sentence in juvie jail with other kids. It's a totally arbitrary system based on the whims of the prosecutors and judges who inherit the cases. It's estimated that up to 250,000 juveniles are tried as adults each year in America. To nobody's surprise, recent studies have revealed the racial and gender disparity in which child we choose to try as an adult. Boys were tried much more often, and they were usually black or Hispanic. 68% of those had at least one psychiatric disorder. Those troubled kids are easy targets for detectives, too because they don't know shit about Miranda rights or attorney-client privilege. And once they end up in adult prison, they're five times more likely to be sexually assaulted and nearly five times more likely to commit suicide. 
Those who do manage to get out are more likely to reoffend than those who were rehabilitated in youth facilities. Fucking duh. The problem seems to be that we can't agree on when precisely a person becomes fully responsible for their actions. At what age are people able to make clear, rational decisions on their own? The accepted answer in Georgia may be completely at odds with the accepted answer in, say, Oregon. A little history. The first juvie court in the United States was created in 1899 in Cook County, Illinois. Before then, it was widely believed that anyone over the age of seven was capable of making moral decisions about what is right and what is wrong. Children back then were treated as little adults. By thinking of kids as just short people, it was easier for us to justify sending them to work in the mines and factories. But science then uncovered the physiological differences in the brains of adults and children. The most important discovery was that of the prefrontal cortex, a part of your brain that hides behind your forehead, does not fully mature until you're around 25 years old. Now, the prefrontal cortex is a very important part of our organic hardware. It controls impulsivity, reflection, risk assessment, and social intelligence. Until the prefrontal cortex is fully developed, a person is deficient in these areas. Why did you push your sister down the stairs when you were eight years old? Because, in a very real sense, you were literally retarded. So here we are, in 2021, and what we're taught is the best country on earth, and we still can't agree on whether children know what the hell they're doing when they commit a crime, and what we're supposed to do with them when they act out. Maybe if we'd listened to Aristotle 2,000 years ago, we'd have all this figured out by now. Remember Aristotle, the Obi-Wan Kenobi of Greek philosophers? He was a student of Plato and taught Alexander the Great. Aristotle wrote about the nature of childhood in a series of books called the Nicomachean Ethics. Aristotle had a radical theory. He thought that children were incapable of real happiness because true happiness is only possible once we've reached an age where we can use our intelligence to guide our actions. Children, he believed, are basically little monsters compelled by unquenchable desire, which often leads to harmful consequences. Children should be trained and educated by patient teachers before they're set loose on the world. Imagine how poorly Alexander the Great might have handled that whole world domination thing if he hadn't been educated by Aristotle. Aristotle also believed that if children weren't properly trained, those lewd impulses could follow them into adulthood and cause them to act out in terrible ways later on. The dark side, after all, is very seductive. Good is simple, said Aristotle, and bad comes in many shapes. One way children are trained to interact in an adult world is through games. Perhaps that's the point of games, actually, some instinct we have to prepare ourselves for adulthood. And the best games, he said, were imitations of work they would need to do later in life. This is Mr. Miyagi telling Daniel to wax the car when what he's really teaching him is the basis of, uh, of good karate. The goal of teaching kids should be to enable them to become happy adults. This caused a great debate in the ancient world that is still going on today, a debate about private schools versus public schools. Private schools were all the rage in ancient Greece, and Aristotle warned them of the long-term dangers in this. 
If they didn't make public schools as good as private schools, they would have a whole generation of kids who were never taught properly, becoming adults who were not entirely in control of their actions. If they were never educated in proper conduct, how could we hold those adults culpable when they acted improperly? Two millennia later and we're still disproportionately punishing adults who were never educated properly, the poor, the disenfranchised. Now, let me tell you about a philosopher who picks up where Aristotle left off and takes it a bit further. I'm talking about Gideon Yaffe, a professor of philosophy at Yale right now. That's right, we're talking about a dude who's still alive for once. Search his name and you get to see his professional headshot, something the ancient Greeks could have used to market themselves a bit better. Yaffe says we're right to be alarmed at the idea of charging kids as adults and locking them away in prisons, but we're missing the real reason this is wrong. My alternative position is that children are owed leniency because they don't have the vote, he says, because they're denied a say over our institutions. It's the legal argument instead of the physiological argument. As Yaffe explains, when people have a vote, they have a say over the legal repercussions of their actions. You bring it on yourself when you break the law. For instance, at some point in time, our peers got together and said, look, if you steal some money from that guy, you got to go to jail for a couple years and chill the fuck out. And we voted for the congressman who wrote that bit of legislation and made it law. No child wrote that law. Their opinions were never considered. So why should we hold them to a law they had no control over? It seems unfair from a legal standpoint. It makes some sense, doesn't it? If we want to use the law against children, we should give them the right to vote, to have a say in the process. But who wants to let kids vote? Seriously. My daughter and her friends would have made Jojo Siwa president by now. I think we can all agree that's probably a bad idea, which is Yaffe's point. That's why children deserve leniency. All children. And now, now we're back to the definition of adult. According to the government, we're an adult at 18. According to the clerk at the liquor store, we're an adult when we turn 21. According to Enterprise Rent-A-Car, we're a full adult at 25. Maybe, just maybe, Enterprise is right. Remember how our prefrontal cortex isn't finished maturing until around age 25? Maybe that's when we actually do become adults, fully capable of understanding the consequences of our actions. And if that's the case... Perhaps we should extend juvenile courts everyone 25 and under. Think back on your youth. When did you stop doing stupid shit? Probably around that time. And really, what's the drawback to rehabilitating young men and women instead of putting them in real prison? You know what's interesting? The reform movement, known as the Raise the Age campaign, is beginning in Cook County, the very place that first came up with the idea of juvenile justice in America. In 2016, Illinois State Representative Laura Fine introduced two bills that would have raised the age of adult criminal responsibility to 21. But prosecutors opposed it. It's going to be a matter of time and people getting used to the idea, said Fine. States like Connecticut are considering separate prisons for 18 to 25-year-olds, kind of an intermediate prison. I think... Every time we treat a child like an adult for a crime they committed because they were mentally incapable of decent behavior, we're sentencing them to become the adult we're pretending they are. But these are humans with decades of life ahead of them, 
people who could be a benefit to society if given another chance. Let me tell you about one kid who got his shit together because the courts went easy on him. This young man was from Boston, youngest of nine children. Father was in the Korean War. His parents divorced when he was 11, and he got addicted to cocaine at 13. In April of 1988, at the age of 17, high on PCP, he saw a foreign man on the street and taunted the man, calling him a Vietnam fucking shit. He hit the Vietnamese man in the head with a large stick, knocking him unconscious. The young man was arrested and charged with attempted murder. He pleaded to a reduced charge of felonious assault and served 45 days out of a two-year jail sentence. They showed him leniency because he was still a juvenile and had no business disappearing inside Deer Island Correctional. It took him a while, but that young man got his act together. In 1990, he formed a band called Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, gave us the song Wild Side, got into acting, showed his junk in Boogie Nights, smoked pot with his stuffed bear in Ted, and gave an award-winning performance in M. Night Shyamalan's masterpiece, The Happening. Not to mention fucking Wahlburgers. I'm making light of a serious situation, but for real, how many Mark Wahlbergs did we miss out on because a kid went to adult prison forever? Because the law didn't allow for leniency in Florida? Because we chose punishment over reform? Systems still fucked. So if you're motivated, call your local congressperson and see what you can do to nudge the age of responsibility just a little bit higher. The Philosophy of Crime is a Fearful Symmetry production. This episode was recorded by Jeff Koval at the State Level Recording Studio in Fairlawn, Ohio. It was produced and edited by William Mankey. I'm James Renner. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit jamesrenner.com, where you can find more information on my true crime books and novels. My website also has a link to the nonprofit I started last year, The Porchlight Project which raises money for new DNA tests for Ohio cold cases. It's easy to donate online, and every little bit helps. William Mankey also writes the music for this podcast. Look for his other creations, including Genius Dice, wooden dice that will give an artful twist to your gaming night, and his new Talking Pints, a clever way to mix up a fresh conversation. Available now at Uncommon Goods. Until next time, remember... There's a simple but challenging solution to the epidemic of crime. If everybody took the time to make good friends with their neighbors, we would know when someone needs our help before they become a statistic. Don't be fearful of the world. Make friends and make it better.